Welcome to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm a screenwriter and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. My guest today is actor Hilary Pingle. You've seen Hilary opposite Jason Biggs and Dane Cook in My Best Friend's Girl, opposite Luke Wilson in Tenure. She's recurred on the TV shows Saints and Sinners and The Middle, and she's had appearances on Scandal, Ruthless, 90210, and a ton of others. All right, Hillary Pingle, thanks for coming on with me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mike Pilak. <laughs> awesome. Me and Hillary go back actually quite a few years. Uh, we probably met in 2004 or five, which is when I had moved out to California and uh, we were waiting tables together. Man, I feel like if you haven't waited tables in the TV and film industry, you either have come from money or your parents are names in the industry. So we've, we've all done it at one point or another, right? Agreed, agreed. And so when we were working together, you were waiting tables, you were auditioning, you were getting some work. And if I recall, call correctly, you were working with an acting consultation company of yeah. some kind. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I worked as a consultant at a networking company at the time it was called act now. It no longer is in business, but had been in business for like, gosh, nearly 20 years at that time. And our job was to produce casting director workshops. So we worked with, you know, agents, managers, casting associates, assistants, casting directors. And it was my job to meet with, with actors who were at different places in their career and see where they wanted to go, what was on their resume, what their skill set was at, what the casting community was looking for and pair those people together in like a class setting. So it was several weeks that you were meeting these individuals and understanding the business from their aspect of it in that learning environment. How did you balance all of that and still prioritize what you needed to do to further your own career? One is I was in my twenties. So I feel like you can <laughs> take on a lot of that stuff in my twenty in your twenties. Yeah. I mean, I was working, I was doing that job during the day. And then I was waiting tables at night. I was also taking acting classes in the evening, once a week, taking improv classes on Saturdays and then doing casting director workshops. So I just did not have time off. And so the prioritization of my career was just throw everything I could into it and you know, see kind of what moved forward. And in that, I learned a lot of mistakes, but also learned a lot of things about the business. Definitely got burnt out. I'm sure you can mm -hmm. tell you to say, and I'm sure other people will tell you this, this business ebbs and flows. And there's times where you will just go full force, but you can't do that forever. And so you need to have those seasons of rest. So had that, but the biggest part I can say of, of what helped me prioritize my career is education and being involved in it. I think a lot of times people will call themselves a writer or a director or an actor, whatever it is, but not actually 
participating in that craft. And that was something that I was really mindful about as I wanted to make sure that not only was I practicing the creative side of being an actor, but also the business side of it as well. So a lot of it was at the time there was a company that still exists in Los Angeles. I'm out here in Atlanta now and they don't currently have a site here in Atlanta, but it was called Casting About. Um, and it showed like who the, it was a TV show, it was a film, it was half hours, one hour, what network it was on, who the casting director was, how many episodes it was picked up for, um, you know, looking at researching where they were coming in, what shows people had worked on in the past, what their themes were, all of that stuff. And just educating yourself as an actor on that business side of it, but also being involved in those acting classes. You know, what does an improv class look like? A second city for a long time had improv for actors. So you didn't have to necessarily okay. be like the jokey, jokey person. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to perform every weekend. Like I was like, I'm not that person, but I want to know how the basics of improv work. Sure. You know, so doing that and taking commercial classes and on-camera technique classes, because it's different than theater, you know, your medium's different. So I think a lot of people that I found in Los Angeles would say they're one thing, but weren't actively participating in it. And yeah. so I think it's active participation in the creative side of that, but also educated on the business side too. You you mentioned the ebb and flow of the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an important thing for people to remember doing any of these creative ventures, whether it's, you know, music or film or acting or writing or anything is you have so many peaks and valleys, no matter where you are in your career. If you're just starting out, you're going to have a peak of, Hey, you completed something, you know, mm-hmm, you, you mm-hmm. made something, but then maybe it's not as embraced as you hope it is all the way up to, you know, an A-list actor you're probably still not getting everything you want, even though you're getting a lot more than most people get. Just being able to accept and embrace those ebbs and flows and enjoy them as much as you can. And that's something too, is that there's times that everybody's ebbs and flows different. It's a matter of what's happening seasonally, what's happening within the market itself. You know, there's times to know that TV for the most part is going to slow down a lot during the summer, but films are going to ramp up during that time. As far as like pilot season goes for actors who are going out for pilot season, you know, the traditional pilot season that has been around for a long time, but is on the way out. Out now with so many streaming networks. Yeah. But you know, January, February, March, a lot of actors would not do guest star roles in television shows because they were waiting for that pilot. So all of a sudden, actors that were maybe recurring roles or large one-day guest stars were getting bumps in their roles there, but they weren't necessarily seeing that in you know July, August, and September when episodic season went back to traditional casting. Good to know that. It's good to know like what are the themes that are going on. I mean, years ago when Slum Dog Millionaire came out, all of a sudden East Indian casting was like huge in the pilots the next year. You know, I'm Caucasian female and female roles aren't out there as, as heavy as male roles are. So mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, okay, well, not to boohoo my, my white privilege at all, but to say like, oh, okay, well, there's a lot of roles that now aren't available to me as like a yeah. secretary, a nurse or whatever it was that I was going out for at that time. So that seems to know theme wise and trend wise, you know, and seasonally wise what's happening because those ebbs and flows are attached to that, that are outside of your control as far as like your talent and, and your castability. You can't really change that or modify that, but you need to look at the things that are in your control and really focus on that to move that stuff forward. Going off of that casting, you know, I know it's super difficult to break into just the point of auditioning for anything, mm-hmm. network TV, cable TV, high profile films, let alone landing some of those roles, mm-hmm. which which you do have. You've got a bunch of really cool stuff. How did you how did you continue to push yourself to keep going until you did make it there, till you made it to the point of 
auditioning regularly, and then getting callbacks and then starting to land those roles? I think my story might be a little bit different and not as like inspiring as maybe people want it to be is I quit is really where my big break came into play. Cause I was like, I'm done. I, and again, like I said, you know, I was working two jobs. I was taking acting classes, doing improv classes, doing casting director workshops. And I was getting really good feedback again, not to toot my horn, but was able to take redirection, knew what my cast ability was, you know, could do cold reading skills fairly quickly. I was, putting out a good product in comparison to what my brand was, but I was non-union, no credits, no representation. So things were really difficult for me to move forward. And it got exhausting to be the only one that was pushing the Hillary Pingle brand forward. And so I was like, I'm done. I'm over this. I'm going to go into casting because I knew a ton of people in the casting community. And the last casting workshop that I had signed up for was with a casting associate named Wayne Morse. He was working with Anne McCarthy casting at the time. He had set up this three-week workshop where he had you do cold read comedy, cold read drama, and then a prepared material to come back kind of like one-on-one mock audition style with him the third week. And the entire time I was like, I'm going into casting, I'm going to casting. And he's like, oh, there's this role I think you would be really good for. I'd like to bring into the office, you know, for an audition. In my head, I'm like, oh, you're just filling your quota of calling an actor, mm-hmm. making yourself look good. And ended up going in for this audition. Didn't hear anything. A month later, they're like, we want to call you in for callback. And I was like, oh, okay. So again, non-union, no credits, no representation. I've got you know, one independent film and all student films and all theater on my resume. So I go in for the callback and maybe like five hours later or something, they call me and I had my phone off at that time. Like who the heck turns their phone off? So I'm like listening <laughs> to this message and I'm like listening to it. I'm thinking like, oh, it's a courtesy call of like, hey, loved your work. It was great. We're going to turn it down. They're like, hey, we loved your work. Uh, we want to offer you the role. It's three week guarantee. We're flying you back to Boston. Call us back. Let us know if you're interested. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, how did this happen? So all of a sudden I went zero to 60, not yeah. knowing like what the heck is main title billing credits? Like what? I, I didn't know, you know, SAG after they have to fly you back first class. Like that's part of the stand. And I was like, nice. wait, I get to go first class. <laughs> that was like my real first big booking. Was yeah. that my best friend's girl? Yeah, that's my best friend's girl. Okay. You know, and so that was opposite Dane Cook and Jason Biggs and Alec Baldwin um, and Kate Hudson. And I, I remember my heart like just beating out of my chest when I was sitting in the hotel waiting for us to like all walk into the room to do the table read. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is for <laughs> real. And so that happened because I had done all the work the years prior of just putting everything into it. And then I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and so I think for me, I mean, I can say I walked into that audition doing the prep work that I should have done, yep. but I also just didn't care. You know, I wasn't that after that you could smell like, oh, they're really desperate for this because I yeah. was just like, I've been hurt by this industry. Like it hasn't done what I wanted to do. And I'm saying this at like 24 years old, but I'm like, ah, it's not working <laughs> for me. That's kind of what launched my career. And then I went in for several other projects, actually booked two projects with the same casting office um, that were in conflict with each other. <laughs> so they were like, like, we really like this Hillary girl and ended up doing tenure, which was opposite Luke Wilson. And then the writer strike happened and yep. nobody was working. So I went from, you know, zero to 60 to being starring opposite these very well-known, talented, wonderful actors to could not get a co-star audition to save my life. And then 
I started getting like really weird pilot auditions for like 40 year olds. And I'm like, I'm 25. Like what? (laughs) this isn't right. And then I coupled myself with a boutique agency and started really just seeing what was out there and was appropriate and was kind of seeing the advantage of like an active pitch. And for me, I was like, I'm going to give it another go. I'm not going to pass. I'm going to go back into acting because obviously this is a godsend. I've gotten these two roles that, you know, it's like, wait, we're not done with you yet. And started seeing like, you know, pitch appropriate stuff where I was getting auditions maybe before that once every six weeks. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And in Los Angeles, you know, when you have an audition, you have to drive all over the city. All of a sudden when I was, there was like active pitch and I was within a representation that was smaller, but really fighting for me as an actor, I started going out like once a, a week and I was like, holy cow. I mean, I remember I had, there was one week where I had like three auditions. I was like, this is insane, you guys. <laughs> this is the life. Uh, Right. I was like, you guys, I spent six hours in my car today. You don't even understand the joy, (laughs) you know, and started, started doing that and booking well, but really that what was coupled with that was my relationships I built with the casting community tied in with a smaller boutique agency that was actively pitching me and been like, Hey, you know, Hillary, you've worked off with her. You've seen her work before. So they were tying those two worlds together, which was really helpful to me because then I had, my team was coming together. It wasn't just me being like, remember all of that stuff we talked Mm -hmm. about years ago. So yeah. And then when I moved out here to Atlanta, it's a completely different world. Everything is self-tape. You're rarely going into the rooms unless it's a commercial audition. And that was a different market trying to like start everything from ground zero again. But I went from, you know, a month where I might get four theatrical auditions to all of a sudden I was getting like four, five, six auditions a week. I was like, holy cow, I'm just putting all this stuff on tape. Each market is different where you're at in your career as far as casting changes. You know, my roles available to me in my twenties definitely shifted to my thirties to like mom all the way. Like that, like mom and nurse and teacher was like my, my bread and butter. (laughs) So I think it was tough to cast me in my twenties, but thirties, it was like, oh yeah, we can totally see that role happen. I think something something that you you mentioned is very important also, I think, to remember and to not hang your hat on a single job right. or a single role that could go for any of these artistic disciplines. You know, if you're an actor, focus on that one in front of you, but remember the ones that are coming behind it. If you're a musician and you don't get booked on that tour you were hoping for, embrace it and then suck it up and move on to the next thing. And I mean, there's going to be there's going to be no's in, in all this stuff. When you, when you were getting your, the point in time where you mentioned that you were having a tough time even getting the co-star auditions, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, what, what were you telling yourself in your head, you know, to continue moving forward and to get to that next class and, and whatever else you had to do to keep moving? I mean, I think there was two aspects of that. One is booking the room um, and recognizing what was going on in the industry at that time. Then like, okay, things have massively shifted in the industry just as they have now, you know, post COVID or, you know, current COVID, we're kind of on the tail end of it, but the industry has massively shifted. And so being able to recognize that and been like, okay, I'm, I'm still moving forward with this. I'm still going to do the things that have worked for me because I've seen them come to work, maybe not overnight. But I mean, like I said, I was putting two years of work in those relationships before they started to come Mm -hmm. to fruition. Right. And so I think part of it is knowing your worth as an individual, your worth as, as an artist and your talent and going, okay, who, who's going to buy this brand? How can I sell this brand? But like you said, it's not about that one job. And for actors, it's not about that one job. It's about booking that room and creating that relationship and maintaining that relationship, because you could go in for something that for whatever reason, like I, 
I said, I, you know, all of a sudden I get these pilots where I'm, you know, I'm not 40 years old. Why the heck am I auditioning for a 40 year old? But they could come in and been like, oh my gosh, I love those choices that Hillary made. I'm considering her for these other things. And that has happened several times in my career where, you know, I auditioned for something. I was like, I don't really don't think I'm right for this. Ended up getting a different job. And then years later, we're just called on the phone and offered a completely different job with a completely different production company because they liked my work and wanted to work with me again. Not to toot my own horn, but people in this industry all over the place want to work with people they know and trust because it makes their job a whole heck of a lot easier. So sure. like you said, if you're, you know, a, a musician or whomever you may be in this artistic world, if you do what you do really well and you're kind and you're thoughtful and you're business minded about it, whatever's supposed to be yours is going to be yours. And if somebody says no to you, it's not like they're saying you're not worthy. You're not that it's just saying, Hey, not right now. Um, yeah. And you never know if that project is going to come in the future. That's going to be totally yours right now. And so just making yourself available to that, but recognizing that the no's aren't a personal attack against you because you're just a cog on the machine. Yeah. But as long as you are, are doing everything you can to keep yourself fresh and keep your training up and keep your knowledge up in the industry. That's the best that you can do and, and put your best foot forward. And then everything's going to kind of work itself in the end. We've talked a, a bunch about what went on in the past. And before we started today, you were telling me that you were looking to kind of refocus into 2021. And, and so I know you're a mom and you've got a family and you've got a thousand and one things going on. Yes. How are you going to keep yourself as productive as possible today? So I think a big thing for me in this season, and this is just a me thing, whomever is listening to this may be like, yeah, that's a me thing too. I have come into the mom world and the the wife world and like moving into a new place, have let myself physically go. And I can feel that. And I can feel that when I go into auditions of like, I'm just not physically comfortable with myself. And so for me, it's kind of getting back into my powers and artists is really getting back into shape. <laughs> that sounds. And I think challenge challenging myself in new ways. So something that like years ago, I've never been athletic. I feel like I've been active. I've just never been athletic as often people do in their thirties. They're like, I'm going to go run a marathon. Yeah. Um, I was never, I never ran a marathon, but I did do a half marathon and several five K's and 10 K's and those like warrior dashes and things like that. Nice. But never in my life was I ever a runner. Like I hated doing the mile in like high school and middle school. I was like, that was the worst thing you could ever put me through, but took on that challenge of like, this is new. This is different. I'm going to start out slow and go from there. But actually this Thursday, I'm going to like a boxing gym, like really like contact boxing gym to like nice. quote unquote audit it. Cause I was like, I just want to try something different and challenge myself in a different way. Um, we've been as a family have been been watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> and so we're like, maybe it was a failure to take body <laughs> classes together. So I think that something is, you know, it doesn't always have to be like, I have to take this new acting class, or I have to take, you know, figure out this new skill. But it's like personally challenge yourself in new ways because that's only going to invigorate everything that you're doing. So for me in this season, it's going, I just don't feel comfortable and strong physically. So I'm going to challenge myself in that area and then see what that brings to the work. So that's kind of what I'm, what I'm doing right now to move forward. Awesome. Anything else that you want to talk about? Anything you've got going on or, or someone, you know, or anything like that? I will. I know it's like totally old, but I love these I started watching, so my stepdaughter's 15 and there's a couple of episodes that I think are parent 
okay and appropriate for a 15 year old to watch together of black mirror. And man, some of those things are just like too close to home when their episode of like, what is it? The Bandersnatch that came out last year where it's like, choose your own adventure. I am, I think that choose your own adventure, insert any type of show is just phenomenal. Like I think it, they have like the last kids on earth for younger kids that they have that. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm obsessed with that. We have this like book for my toddler that's called like what should Danny do? That's essentially a choose your own adventure for toddlers. So if anybody's doing a choose your own adventure, insert TV show, insert film, like, please let me know. (laughs) I would love to do that because I think that's just so fascinating, but it also like it makes the audience part of the experience, which I think is something that theater does, but TV so much as you're observing it, right? But with the choose your own adventure option that has kind of become a new thing is you have to actively be watching and know what's going on. So often now when we're watching TV or films at home, you know, and I'm totally guilty of this is I'm on my phone, I'm on my computer, I'm doing a gazillion, I'm like cooking dinner, I'm doing all these things that I'm not truly watching this art. But something like that as an audience member sucks me in because I'm like, oh, I'm in charge of what's going on here. So that's something that I just have, like, I think that is a fantastic change that's happened within our industry of bringing back the 80s, 90s books of Choose Your Own Adventure and putting it towards TV. I think it's great. But yeah, I mean, I think there's just so many talented, wonderful, phenomenal people. A friend of mine that I would say that just comes to mind is Jen Lilly. Jen is somebody who's been in the industry for a really long time. She's like, ridiculously lovely. She's from Virginia originally came out to LA years, years ago. She was been on a ton of different soaps, but she's now like a Hallmark darling in all of those Christmas movies that you guys have seen. But what I love about Jen is she uses her platform to um, shine focus on the foster care community. And so because she's a personal friend of mine, um, seeing how she authentically does that and does it with such a big heart, I really enjoyed that engagement interaction with social media of like seeing how she does it. Cause I feel like in this day and age, so many people uh, do it to be like, Hey, look how great I am. Yeah. Um, which I'm not a fan of. I'm not super into social media. I'm like barely on it, but I think shining light on that. And if you get to that and using social media for those aspects, rather than getting followers or likes or this or that, I don't know when you said like, is there a friend or that, you know, and I was like, Jen Lily came to mind. So I just needed to plug Jen. So if you want to look at, at somebody who's who's just a phenomenal actress with a big heart, but using her platform for, for really great good. I would say Jen Lilly is a, a lovely, wonderful individual for that purpose. Don't look at my social media. I've got nothing <laughs> on <kids>, So <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hillary. This was really great. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about all this. Absolutely. And I'm, I don't know how this is going to work in the future. People have specific questions, man. I'm an open door. I'm a talker as you know, so I'm happy to share anything that I can. I do. I'm here in Atlanta now currently, and I do do coaching over at the actor scene in Buford. So if you guys want to find me there, you're more than welcome to come in and see what we do at the studio. That's all I got. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the Artist Work Ethic podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at the Artist's Work Ethic and check out theartistsworkethic.com. 